called I'll Shout and Shine.
Well, good morning, everybody. I was waiting around to see if anybody else was coming up here or if I was supposed to come up No. Good to, uh, yeah, no, I'm not singing. <laughs> good to be here. Good to see everybody. And <clears throat> let's do remember uh, remember Brother Bobby. I plan on preaching anyway, and Brother Bobby ended up sick, but I think all of you probably agree with me. He's doing an absolutely fantastic job as our pastor. His heart's in the right place. So please keep him in your prayers and his family, too. And uh, encourage him as much as you can. So really appreciate all that he's doing. I told um, Greg as he comes, I don't know if you noticed, Andy comes by, and I, because I'm going to wait, wait, wait. A little bit later, Greg comes by. So I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to start writing two checks. <laughs> One will be for the current Sunday. The other will be for the next week, because that's how long it takes Greg to come around again. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he blames all of you guys over here, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. But no, it is good to be here. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them over to the book of Joshua. Again, the fifth chapter. We we'll go backwards a little bit from where I was last week. Also, there was rumor going around that if you, if I didn't wear a tie, I certainly wasn't preaching. So I'm trying to dispel that theory too. <laughs> Breaking all new kinds of things. So we'll get into this. We're going to be in the in the thirteenth chapter, or the thirteen. I'm sorry, the fifth chapter, the thirteenth verse to the end, and we'll read some there in a few minutes. So if we had a, again a title for today, it would be "Call on Your Commander." Call on your commander. I like to read a lot of stuff, and I I pick up stuff anywhere. I I don't read novels too much or stuff like that, but I read whatever I can pretty much get my hands on, which is not always good. Um, but I do like, I do love to read and sometimes I like, I just pick up stories and things. And I was reading a while back. I don't even remember where I was at. Might, might've been a book in an airport or something. I was reading some different stories <clears throat> and I read about a lady by the name of Joy Verone. And this is back, this was back in two, in the round, around, not right before nine 11, sometime a little bit before nine 11. And, uh, and anyway, it's been a while back. But anyway, she was on vacation with her uh, children and parents in Colorado. And apparently as they were doing, I don't know what they were doing, but somehow her kids were in the SUV. They were at the place where they were staying, cabin or whatever it was. And her, her parents were there as well. And anyway, the, somehow the, it was a, an incline and the SUV started rolling down towards a ravine, kind of a mountain thing. It was a slow roll, it wasn't that steep. She ran over and got in front of the vehicle trying to stop it. And she managed to slow it down enough, but anyway, she actually got run over by the vehicle. So her, her kids were in the front seat and actually saw her go under the vehicle. Her dad was able to get it before it went off the cliff. Her dad was able to jump in and, and hit the brake and save the kids. So Joy had tons of injuries. I mean, her back was broken. Her internal injuries were too numerous to count. Um, she, they talk about, the, I can't remember the name of the hospital in Colorado that they took her to. And she said she was just, her mom kept a vigil there by her bedside. She, she, the story was from her point of view. She said, I was in so much pain. She's like, I feared dying, but I feared living too, mm-hmm. because I hurt so bad. 
And so she said the one night she was cr- you know, crying out to her mom, you got to help me. I guess it's horrible. I, you know, I need help. And her mom said, well, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to go call some people. We're going to pray for you. So her mom left her there alone in the hospital room. And she said, this gentleman walked in and said, I had a white coat on, but he, she said he wasn't one of my doctors, wasn't a nurse because all my nurses were female, kind of longer gray hair. She said he walked in and he just started flipping through my chart. And she said, he just kind of looked at me with this soothing voice and said, Joy, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. She said, for some reason, I believed him. She said, if my mom or nurses or doctors had probably told me you're going to be okay, she said, I would have thought they were just talking and I probably wouldn't have believed him. She said, but for some reason, I believed him. And she said, I did get through it. She said, I drew strength from that. She said, I did get there. Now, her, her problems were still there. She said the pain didn't go away. She said, I had, I can't even count the surgeries. She said, I lost count after about 40 different surgeries she's had over the years getting through that. She was destined to life in a wheelchair. She said, it's been difficult. She said, but I did make it. I did get through it. Now, who was that visitor? Joy believes it was somebody from heaven. Other people, her mom, the story, a little bit of the story goes, her mom come back in. When her mom come back in the room, she told her mom about the visitor. Her mom ran back out to try to find the guy and was asking people who it was, what doctor had come to see her. Nobody knew anything about anybody come to see her or who this even recognized the description of how she described this guy. So Joy believes, you know, she had an emissary from heaven who came to look at her. Who was that visitor? Now, we all could have our opinions on who or what it was. But I think Joshua would like to weigh in a little bit here too. Because Joshua was facing a huge challenge himself. And Joshua got a visitor also. So you'll follow along here, and then you put it up on the screen. In the fifth chapter of Joshua, we'll start about the um, 13th verse. It says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no. Now, some translations will say neither, and neither, neither is actually the better translation than just no. So he asked him, are you for us or for your adversaries? He said, no, neither. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worship and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Joshua was facing a big challenge. We're back, if you remember, we, last week we started talking about promised land living. And how the promised land does not represent heaven. The promised land represents the victorious life that we're supposed to have in Christ right now. They had crossed over Jordan. You know, last week we were already past the the battle of Jericho. Now we're back on the other side before the battle of Jericho. And Jericho, we'll talk about that city in a minute. But Joshua was facing a huge, huge challenge. This this formidable city right there in front of him. And... 
the Bible starts out there in the, in the 13 verses when Joshua was by Jericho or when Joshua was near Jericho. What was he doing there? Now, they, they were camped, the children of Israel were camped at Gilgal at this time, which was, they had crossed the Jordan, kind of coming from the east to the west. They had camped at Gilgal. Uh, Jericho was just a very short distance, just a little bit south of there. About, I think it's about five miles north of the Dead Sea. And Joshua was alone here, but he was going to, you know, he was near Jericho. Now, what was he doing there? Some people would say, well, maybe he was gathering intel. I don't think he was gathering intel. He had been there before. Other people had been there before. I think, he was, I think he was out alone gathering some strength. Because he had never faced such a challenge as this before. They had fought at some battles in the wilderness, but it was always on their own terms and they were able to handle it. But now he's facing a, a city that he's never faced before. And I think he was there to try to get some courage. And I think he was trying to find out what the Lord had in store. Now let's talk about Jericho just for a quick minute. Jericho at that time, was they found the ruins of the old Jericho. It covered a, an area about 13, over 13 acres, which back then that was a good-sized city. It was um, the walls, some of the wall, ruins of some of the walls that they found and the foundations of them. There was actually layers of walls. There was an inside wall and an outside wall. The outside wall at the at part of the at midway part of the bottom part was seven feet thick. It was about sixteen feet high. That seven feet wide, sixteen feet high, and on top of that wall, they had built another wall that was eight feet high. So when you looked at and Jericho was kind of up on a, up on top of a hill, mountainous area. And when you looked at it, so you saw it up and you saw these walls, you're thinking, no way anybody could ever get in there. On the, I think it was on the um, east side of Jericho, there was a palm tree forest that made it really tough to attack. The other side was just almost straight uphill. Most people and most army people who would have ever looked at this city would have said, there is no way anybody can ever invade or take this city. Now, we're not getting into the battle of Jericho today. You all know how they marched around and the walls came down. Obviously, God can do anything. But from a natural standpoint, looking at it, what a challenge it was. Joshua had never faced a challenge like that today, you see. So I wonder, I want you to think today, what is your Jericho? What's the big challenge, the big sin, the big temptation, the big thing? What are you facing that's keeping you from promised land living? You know, last week we talked about how no failure is final, and it certainly isn't. But sometimes we just focus on a challenge. We focus on, a, on something so long. It keeps us from truly enjoying what God's got for us. It keeps for us from, from receiving blessings. It can even keep us from being a blessing to other people. If we keep focusing on our Jericho. Now, what I want to tell you is, whatever your Jericho is, you have to face it. But here's the really good news. Just like joy, just like Joshua, you don't have to face it alone. You do not have to face it alone. And that's where the appearance comes in. Now notice, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man standing. Now, again, are you, are you for us or against us? Neither. Neither. 
The man says, we know, let's kind of figure out who this man was, this appearance. He was the commander of the Lord's army. He told, he told Joshua, he says, hey, this is holy ground. It kind of sounds like back in, you know, when Moses was at the burning. But this is holy ground. Take your sandals off your feet. You know, you're on holy ground. The, the Bible is full of strange encounters like this. A lot of different, lot of different stories. Abraham, if you remember when the angels came to, to Abraham and they were talking to him about what they were going to do. Some of them left and went towards Sodom, but the Bible says the Lord stayed with Abraham and they had that whole conversation about what they would, what they would do. Moses, we just talked about him, he had the burning bush. The angels appeared to Mary. The disciples on the road to Emmaus had, you know, the fellow come to them and begin to tell them everything. They said, didn't our hearts burn within us? The Bible's full, and that's just a, a sampling of those types of stories. So who was this? You know, and, and what, what was he doing there? What did he, why did he appear? So let's look at some of the options. Now, this was not a vision. This was not a dream. This was not a ghost. This was not an apparition. Joshua saw him as a man holding a sword. And he was able to speak. I've had a lot of crazy dreams. But I pretty much know what those are. This was not a dream. This was not a vision. You know, this, this, was, uh, this appeared as a man holding a sword. I don't believe it was an angel. I don't, well, first of all, it was, not an, it was not a vision. It was not an apparition, not a ghost. And I don't think it was just a man. Think about who Joshua was. He was second in charge to Moses. Now he's in charge. He's basically the equivalent of a five-star general. I don't see him bowing down to just any man or humbling himself to any man. So it was not just another human being who happened to be wandering along the way holding a sword. Common thought is a lot of people say, well, this is obviously, this probably was obviously an angel. But I want you to think about that option for a minute too. If it was, it was not an angel, angels do not accept worship. If you think about that. Revelation 22.9. So we can pop that up there. This is after John said he fell down at the foot of the angel and the angel told him, hey, don't do that. Don't worship me. He says, I'm just a fellow servant and your brothers the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. See, the angels of God will not accept worship because they will direct you. They will direct you to worship God. So there's only one option left. This was the incarnate Jesus God. This was Jesus Christ, you see. This was, that's, there's, there's no other, really, no other option for it. Now, before you kind of think, okay, Tony, what were you smoking when you studied this last, over the last few weeks? Let's think about this for a minute. You know, Hebrews 13.8 talks, talks about Jesus being the same, what? Yesterday, today, and forever, right? So, what else does the Bible say about him? He was chosen before the foundations of the world. Before there was ever, sometimes we think about, oh my goodness, you know, there was all this thing and, and there was the world created. And then there was sin and God had to come up with a plan. And so th- then there, there came Jesus. No, Jesus was before it all. Amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Trinity, always, you see, always there. 
And I think sometimes it's wrong for us and limiting of Jesus. You know, Jesus is not subject to space, time, and physics. He's God, you see. And I think it's wrong to limit his ministry to just 33 years in Palestine. His ministry spans it all. He created it all, you see. And brothers and sisters, I believe long before he went to Zacchaeus' house and ate with him in Jericho, he appeared to Joshua in, at near Jericho. You see, right here. Now, what was his message? Now, that's, if that's who it was, what was his message? This is, important. this is the important part. He told Joshua there, he said, I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. Now, humanized, just like our own humanized, Joshua and everybody around could see, there was two armies. There was the children of Israel, the Hebrews, there was the, Jer- the people in Jericho and their army. But, brothers and sisters, if you lift up your eyes, no, there's a third army. There's a third army there, you see. It's the army of the Lord, and this is Jesus, their commander, you see. Now, the Bible talks to, when we think about the army of the Lord, certainly is those angels. If you remember, <laughs> Elisha, Elisha's servant's eyes were open. He saw the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire and the angels and the army of the Lord. But wow, we aren't, we're not outnumbered here. Sometimes we need to rethink about when we think of angels of the Lord and when we think about angels, we need to change our mindset. Brothers and sisters, angels are not those chubby little things we see on Christmas trees with rosy cheeks and little uh, wings. Angels are mighty. In fact, Andy was teaching us in the men's class today about one angel who struck down 185,000 Assyrians himself. When the Bible talks about angels, it refers to angels as mighty and many, you see. Psalm 103, we've got that up there? 103, 19 and 21. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Angels are mighty. Angels are many, brothers and sisters. When the Bible refers to angels, they are mighty and they are many. And think about it for a minute. I thought about this as as Andy was teaching this morning. If one can strike down 185,000 of them, what can a whole mountain full of them do? You see, what can a whole mountain full of them do? Over in the book of Hebrews, it talks about them being innumerable, angels being innumerable. I think the part of the message to Joshua was, Joshua, Jericho's got those walls, and it looks pretty mighty, but Joshua, you've got God's army. You've got God's army here, you see. Joshua needed that reminder that he was not alone. Brothers and sisters, just like you and I, we need that reminder that we're not alone. When the problems come and the bad news come, when our Jericho comes, when the challenge we're facing comes, we need that reminder that we're not alone. When we're facing a great challenge, when we're afraid, when we don't know what the future holds, we need to know we're not alone. It's great to have all of my kids here today. I remember when they were little, you know, down the hall, every once in a while at night, you hear this, Daddy, Daddy. And when I'd hear that, 
I'd do what any good dad would do. I'd wake up their mom and say, hey, your kids are needy. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Well, I did that when they were little. But... I, no, I'd actually get up. I'd go down the hall and I'd go to their room or whatever. And I remember just going in their room. And I remember sometimes staying with them and laying in a cockeyed position on their little bed so until they'd go to sleep. But, you know, sometimes just walking into the room, the whole atmosphere would change. They weren't afraid anymore. They weren't scared anymore. Brothers and sisters, when Jesus' presence comes on the scene, it changes the atmosphere of everything. I think Joshua was afraid here. I think he was looking at that Jericho and thinking, how can we ever overcome that? There's no way. But as soon as he got in the presence of God, Jericho was still there, brothers and sisters. But you know what? The whole atmosphere changed. Now it was different because he's not alone. He's got God there with him to help him, you see. And the presence of God changes everything. And it changed it for Joshua too, you see. I want you to think about it for a minute. Just like, just like when I was telling a story about Joy Verone. After she had her visitor, she was still in pain. She still had a bunch of surgeries to go through. She still had all kinds of challenges. She still was going to be, have her life be, be spent in a wheelchair. But everything was different now. She had some strength to fall back on. Just like Joshua here. That big walled city was still there. The forest on one side. The steep slopes on the other. Those great walls around it now. But something changed. God come on the scene. Brothers and sisters, have you ever been there? I've been there and been there recently. When everything seems dark, when it seems like there's no way to get through, when it seems like it doesn't matter, and you're wondering and you're worried, and then all of a sudden in a prayer, the presence of God comes in, brothers and sisters, and you realize it's going to be okay. Yeah, the problem's still there. Yeah, there might be a lot of things you've got to face, but now it's going to be all right either way because God's there. Mm -hmm. It makes all the difference in the world when His presence comes on the scene. Because you don't have to face this alone. That's the message of the Bible. You don't have to face this alone. I'm with you. What he did for joy in that hospital room. What he did for Joshua here near Jericho. He'll do the same for you. You see brothers and sisters. Doesn't mean your problems go away. But things change. They look a little different you see. He wants us to realize. He says I'm with you. He wants us to realize. He's the commander of all. That's why I had the title, Call on Your Commander. He's the commander of it all. He's still in control of, that, of it all. And he's got all, the, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. He can do anything. Now here's another key part of this message that I don't want to miss. Kind of a little bit of an offshoot before we go on, but I don't want you to miss this. I want, to go, want you to go back when Joshua asked him. Joshua said to him, are you for us or are you for your adversaries? He said, no. Or he actually said, neither. Brothers and sisters, God doesn't take sides. I want you to think about that for a minute. God doesn't take sides. He's not, he's not, he's ne God is never against anyone. He was not, God was not against the hard-hearted Canaanites. Do you guys, you, we've read a little bit, we've learned a little bit, if you've read this history before, the Canaanites did some bad things. They sacrificed babies. 
They worshipped every kind of idol. They had every kind of sexual sinful sin as part of their worship you can think of. They were a barbaric, terrible people. Like I said, it was nothing to them to sacrifice a baby. God was not against them. And just like Rahab, if the harlot, if they had turned to God, he would have accepted them with open arms, just like the prodigal's father I talked to you about last week. God's never against anyone. I hate when I hear, see these signs of God's against the gays. No, he's not. God's against the Republicans or the Democrats. No, he's not. God's against Russia. God's against China. No, he's not. God's not against anyone. He is a loving father with outstretched arms waiting for people to come to him. And if they'll turn to him in faith believing, he'll receive them into his arms and save their soul and give them a place in heaven. Amen. The message for every one of you here today, brothers and sisters, God's not against you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how guilty you feel. I don't care how tarnished your past is. God has got an outstretched arm. He's not against you. He loves you. God is with you. He's for you. You know, that just, as I was reading, I was actually reading this on a plane a few weeks ago. And that's what just struck out to me so plain. God's not against anybody. He's for everyone. That's why he sent his son Jesus, you see, to die for you. And if we'll turn to him, he'll receive us. And just like the Bible says, brothers and sisters, if God's for you, who can be against you? Who can be, who can be against you? Like I said, you might be facing a Jericho challenge with walls great and big, a big challenge, a big, a big thing, but you don't have to face it alone. It might be a a diagnosis. It might be a challenge, a difficulty, a discouragement. There's so many people that are discouraged. Brothers and sisters, you don't have to face it alone. What do you do? What do you do? Maybe you're saying, I want to have promised land living. I want to believe I'm more than a conqueror. I want to believe everything's okay, but what do I do? That's pretty easy too. Just look back here to Joshua. Look what he did in the 13th verse. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes. Brothers and sisters, lift up your eyes. You know, I think Joshua, every once in a while, I kind of picture him as trying to get his courage up as he was near Jericho. He'd look up and he'd see that city. Discouragement, defeat, negative thoughts just probably overwhelmed him. What are we going to do? How are we going to do that? Finally, I think he looked up, he lifted up his eyes to the right place. He lifted them up towards God. And what did he see? A man with a sword, the commander of the Lord's army. Brothers and sisters, if you want promised land living, quit looking at your Jericho, quit looking at your problem, quit focusing on that, and focus on God. That's the only way you can be victorious is to focus on God. You see, as long as your eyes stay on your Jericho, you'll never see Jesus. As long as you keep focusing on your problem, you'll never see Jesus. You've got to lift up your eyes to Him. Like I said last week, let the let it be the lifter up of your let the Lord be the lifter up of your head. Makes me think. I actually thought about it when songs that that they were singing, Chain Breaker. I thought about Paul and Silas in the prison. Think about it for a minute. They were in the innermost part of the prison. Down in the, in the almost like the dungeon part. They were in the darkest part of the prison in chains. 
It was the midnight hour. It was the darkest hour of the night in the darkest part of the prison. What were they doing looking around? Oh, poor us with our chains. Oh, look at these walls of the prison. We'll never get out. There's guards everywhere. No, what did they do? They lifted their eyes up towards heaven and they begin to sing and praise God. And what happened, brothers and sisters? A big earthquake come. They just shook everything. The chains fell off, brothers and sisters. Everybody's chains fell off and they went out and they're victorious. If you're, if you're in chains, if you've been shackled, if you've got a challenge, what you need to do is lift up your eyes to Jesus. Quit looking at your problem and lift up your eyes to Jesus. God can help you. God can be there for you. <coughs> there was a lady by the name of another thing I read in the same little article thing I was flipping through. Tammy Trent was her name. They were, this couple was celebrating their 11th anniversary in Jamaica. Her husband was a diver and there was a place, he wanted, a lagoon, particular lagoon he wanted to dive in. And he was, she's, it was their time for him to go. His, he already turned all of his diving equipment in. But he was a free diver. He could hold his breath for, I think, almost five minutes from what the article said. So he was going to do one more dive in that lagoon. He said, I'll be right back. He left their hotel, wherever they were staying. She was expecting him back within about 25 minutes. He never come back. She waited. An hour went by. No, no response. Another hour, nothing. So finally she called the emergency people. She told them where they went. They went. They searched the water. Couldn't find them. I think it wasn't until late, really late that night. They finally, she got a call. Her husband had drowned. Here she was all alone in Jamaica. Husband had died. They didn't have, I don't think they, I don't know if they had kids or not. She was terrified. She called her. She called her parents. They were going to get there as soon as they could on the next flight. She said, "I didn't know what to do." She said, "I just sat there on my bed praying, God, I need somebody to help me. I need somebody. I'm all alone." Story says a little bit later there was a knock on the door. It was a Jamaican hotel worker. She said, ma'am, are you okay? She, I, the lady said, Tammy said, when I first answered the door, I thought she was just there to clean or something. She said, ma'am, are you okay? I heard you crying. Tammy said, no, I'm not okay. My husband died. And the housekeeper said, well, I heard you crying. She said, do you mind if I just hold you and pray with you? The point, the point she made was, all the way in Jamaica, all alone, God sent a Jamaican hotel worker to comfort me. Brothers and sisters, what I want to tell you is, you never have to worry about being alone. God can send somebody to help you and take care of you, you see. That's the kind of God that we serve. Brothers and sisters, some of you have been looking at your Jericho far too long. You've looked at it so long, you know how many bricks are in the wall. You know where the cracks are. You know what some of the designs are. Because all you've done is focus, focus on your problem. Lift up your eyes, brothers and sisters. Lift up your eyes to Jesus. And like Joshua did. And then bow down. Because brothers and sisters, wherever you're at, it doesn't have to be in a church. It doesn't have to be in some holy place. Wherever you're at, when you lift up your eyes to Jesus, that becomes holy ground. Because the presence of God, in fact, our bodies are a temple. The Bible teaches us, you see. What is your Jericho? 
Quit focusing on it, brothers and sisters, because I, what I want to tell you is, no matter how big and mighty your Jericho is, God's bigger. The commander of the Lord's army is bigger. Call on your commander. Call on your commander. Lift up your eyes. Joshua, like I said before, a five-star general equivalent, really, in charge of this mighty two million people and a great army, he wasn't too ashamed to humble himself and bow down. (coughs) Brothers and sisters, I'm not saying this as a brag thing at all. I've reached a position now when I walk in a room and people have to stand up. I don't like it. When I get ready to walk out, they have to stand up. But just like Joshua, I got a big challenge that came at me a couple weeks ago that I'm still facing. But you know what, brothers and sisters? I'm not worried about it all because I'm not too humble to bow down. No matter how many people have to stand up or call me sir or whatever it is, I'm not too humble to bow down on my knees. I know where my help comes from, brothers and sisters. It comes from the Lord. What I want to tell you folks is, listen to this. No matter how big your problem is, no matter how big your Jericho is, no matter how guilty you're feeling, no matter how much sin you've got, you may be thinking God could never save me. God could never forgive me. God is greater than your sin. God is greater than your guilt. God is greater than your Jericho. He's able to forgive you and save you and make everything okay. Amen. Are you saying to me, Tony, that my problems will go away? No. Are you saying that life will be easy? No. Are you saying I'll never have any worries? No. But what I am telling you is, you don't have to face it alone. Brother Joe, Brother Mike, one of you, get a verse of the song. If you're here this morning, and you're Sarah, or Santana, I'd rather call on you than them anyway. If you're here this morning, and you're facing the Jericho, Maybe it's, maybe it's just that courage to be saved. Maybe it's that courage to ask forgiveness. Maybe it's that whatever it is. Whatever you're facing, you don't have to face it alone. While we stand, I have this one verse of a song. I ask you to come and pray. Pray where you're at. But don't leave here without bowing down and looking up and calling on your commander.